Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Okay, this evening we're going to be talking about Genesis 48 and 49. Genesis 48 and 49, um, this is where Jacob blesses his sons. I've never been at a reading of a will. Has anybody here been at a reading of a will? Okay. Um, this is as close as they get during that time to the reading of a will. Okay. The story thus far is that uh, Joseph uh, was sold into slavery by his brothers went to Egypt as a slave, rose to prominence as a servant in Potiphar's house, uh, was then falsely accused by Potiphar's wife of uh, attacking her, went to prison, interpreted the dreams of the royal butler and royal baker, and then stayed in prison some more. But then, through the royal butler, who was restored to uh, Pharaoh, um, he told Pharaoh that Joseph could interpret dreams because the Pharaoh had some troubling dreams. Pharaoh listened to Joseph's interpretations and not only that, his plan, and was so impressed that he made Joseph the second to him in the entire country. And then there were seven uh, years of plenty, seven years of famine. And during those seven years, Joseph's brothers came back to buy food. And there was some back and forth where Joseph wanted to find more about Benjamin and his father, uh, but eventually he revealed himself and he had his whole family come to Egypt. And that's where we are right now. Uh, Jacob is at the end of his life and he knows it. And he's at the point now where he's going to be giving his blessing to his sons. <clears throat> Starting with Genesis 48. One day, not long after this, word came to Joseph, your father is failing rapidly. So Joseph went to visit his father and he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. When Joseph arrived, Jacob was told, your son Joseph has come to see you. So Jacob gathered his strength and sat in his bed. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And he said to me, I will make you fruitful and I will multiply your descendants. I will make you a multitude of nations and I will give this land of Canaan to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. Then Jacob looked over at the two boys. Are these your sons, he asked? Yes, Joseph told him. These are the sons God has given to me here in Egypt. And Jacob said, Bring them closer to me that I could, that I, so that I can bless them. Jacob was half blind because of his age and could hardly see. So Joseph brought the boys close to him, and Jacob kissed him and embraced them. Then Jacob told Joseph, I never thought I would see your face again. But now God has let me see your children too. 
Then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this very day, the angel who has redeemed me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they preserve my name and the names of Abraham and Isaac, and may their descendants multiply greatly throughout the earth. But Joseph was upset when he saw that his father had placed his right hand on Ephraim's head, so Joseph lifted it to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. No, my father, he said, this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused. I know, my son, I know, he replied. Manasseh will also become a great people, but his younger brother will become even greater, and his descendants will become a multitude of nations. So Jacob blessed the boys that day with this blessing. The people of Israel will use your names when they give a blessing. They will say, may the God make you as prosperous as Ephraim and Manasseh. In this way, Jacob put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. Then Jacob said to Joseph, look, I am about to die, but God will be with you and will take you back to Canaan, the land of your ancestors. And beyond what I have given your brothers, I am giving you an extra portion of the land that I took from the Amorites with my sword and bow. So we've learned a few things here. We've learned that Jacob could hardly see, that he could only with great effort lift himself um, from laying down into a sitting position. And we also learned that um, it wasn't completely peaceful in Canaan when Jacob was living there. Remember, he had the household of his uh, grandfather Abraham, who had actually fought a skirmish, if you will, um, with uh, the armies of three kings. So it's not unreasonable that he had armed men and he had to defend himself and perhaps even take territory. My clicker is not working. Oh, there we go. Now we go to chapter 49. Then Jacob called together all his sons and said, Gather around me and I will tell you what will happen to each of you in the days to come. Come and listen, you sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my strength, the child of my vigorous youth. You are first in rank and first in power, but you are as unruly as a flood, and you will be first no longer. For you went to bed with my wife, and you defiled my marriage couch. So he finally gets around to saying something about this after all these years. But this is something that we knew from before anyway, because during the story of Joseph, who listened to Reuben anyway? If you go back and you look through, nobody listened to him. He would say something, and they would just be like, mama, 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 and they would just go on. And they'd listen to Jacob, or they'd listen to Judah but they wouldn't listen to Reuben. So Jacob, if anything, he's just um, stating what everybody else already knew. And I don't know if any of the brothers were nodding their heads, but they were, do, they were thinking it. And the, uh, Reuben actually is pointed out. It's over here. That's where he's located. Now the tribe comes up 
in the, um, the book of Judges. It comes up during uh, when Deborah um, and Barak were involved in delivering the Israelites from the Canaanite king. And let's, let's see where Reuben shows up here. This is after everything's happened. The Canaanite king's been defeated. Uh, Deborah is singing a song. I am not going to sing it for you. I will read it, okay? Down from Tabor marched the few against the nobles. The people of the Lord marched down against mighty warriors. They came down from Ephraim, a land that once belonged to the Amalekites. They followed you, Benjamin, with your troops. From Machir, the commanders marched down. From Zebulun came those who carried a commander's staff. The princes of Issachar were there were Deborah and Barak. They followed Barak into the valley. But in the tribe of Reuben, there was great indecision. Why did you sit at home among the sheepfolds to hear the shepherds whistle for their flocks? Yes, in the tribe of Reuben, there was great indecision. So it turned out, even after the time of Reuben, after he passed, his tribe could not be trusted. They could not be counted upon. Well, let's move on. And let's say it appears that Jacob was speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He may have had some things he wanted to say during this time, but I think that he knew that God was speaking to him and he was relaying some things from God to his sons. But moving along, Simeon and Levi are two of a kind. Their weapons are instruments of violence. May I never join in their meetings. May I never be a party to their plans. For in their anger they murdered men and they crippled oxen just for sport. A curse on their anger, for it is fierce. A curse on their wrath, for it is cruel. I will scatter them among the descendants of Jacob. I will disperse them throughout Israel. If you're Simeon and Levi, do you think you're just kind of standing there, just sort of like... (whistles) Yeah. Remember, these were the people after Dinah had been... Uh, taken advantage of or raped, I'm not sure which, by the prince in Sheshem. He just, they decided to um, trick all the men in the city to get circumcised. Then they went house to house and killed every man. Okay? That's what they did in their anger. And apparently, this had not come up before, but they crippled animals for fun. What kind of person does that? What would we think about a person like that today? Well... That was Simeon and Levi. And what happened to them? Well, Simeon, and you can, uh, we'll we'll do the map in a moment, but uh, Simeon shrank from 59,300 potential warriors. That's men who might be able to carry a sword. So they're younger men in good physical condition. And that's in numbers one. And they went down to 22,200. What that means is, the entire tribe shrank because usually the number of men in the age group that could swing a sword was a percentage of the population. So the entire population of the tribe cut in half. So they ended up having to share land with Judah. They didn't even have enough people to merit a a homeland of their own. And uh, later on in Deuteronomy 33, Moses 
blesses all the tribes except Simeon. Okay, and we'll see them on a map in a moment. And, and Levi, for reasons that I don't understand, maybe it's just God's um, grace, ended up becoming the priestly tribe. So in a different way, they were dispersed also. They did not have a homeland of their own. They had some cities, but they were interspersed throughout Israel. And they ended up um, either being priests or serving them. And you can see Simeon is surrounded like Judah, I guess, kind of like Jamesburg surrounded by Monroe, but I don't think it's quite, I don't think it's the same, right? Um, but they didn't have enough people. Um, they failed as a tribe. They ended up um, not maintaining a population. Moving along, Judah. Your brothers will praise you. You will grasp your enemies by the neck. All your relatives will bow before you. Judah, my son, is a young lion that has finished eating its prey. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lion, who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants, until the coming of the one to whom it belongs the one whom all nations will honor. He ties his foal to a grapevine, the colt of his donkey to a choice vine. He washes his clothes in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine. His teeth are whiter than milk. Well, can you imagine what must have been going through Jacob's mind when he was speaking these words? Words that God must have given him about Judah. This is not expected from Judah. Judah is the one who sold, who had the idea of selling Joseph into slavery. Um, Judah is also the one who thought it'd be a great idea to have his uh, troublesome daughter-in-law executed. And yet here, it sounds like, it sounds like uh, he's the leader. And it sounds like that's not going to go away anytime soon. And tying a foal to a grapevine, to have a vine that big to tie a foal or to, to tie a donkey, um, that is a blessing. That is to have a vineyard so robust that you could just hook up animals to the vines. Okay. Apparently, having eyes darker than wine was a good thing. I don't really understand what that means. Maybe it has something to do with the eye color, but the um, teeth being whiter than milk, that's a very good thing. In a time when there were no dentists, mind you, okay? But that is a very unexpected blessing for Judah. But let's move on. Before we do, though, um, something special there. The one whom all nations honor. So... The scepter, it's leadership, but it's also pointing at the Messiah here in the scripture. And you can see he's got a good-sized territory. Now, when you look at size, size doesn't always indicate how good the land was, so that Manasseh has a lot of land there, but a lot of that land could be empty space and desert, may not be habitable. 
So just keep that in mind when you're looking at the map. Zebulun will settle by the seashore and be a harbor for ships. His borders will extend to Sidon. Issachar is a sturdy donkey resting between two saddle packs. When he sees how good the countryside is and how pleasant the land, he will bend his shoulder to the load and submit himself to hard labor. And uh, you can see Zebulun's right there and Issachar's right next door. Now Zebulun's not really on the ocean, but it's close to some of the port cities. So it was uh, part of a trade route. And, And being part of a trade route, was prosperous. Uh, Issachar had good land, and uh, scholars have wondered what the meaning was about bending his shoulders to the load and submitting himself to hard labor. Uh, Some thought it would be that they would somehow be serving uh, foreign countries who were invading, but it it looks like he's doing it on his own volition. Um, It was said that um, next to the the tribe of Levi, that Issachar supplied the most scholars um, to the nation of Israel, so it could have something to do with that. Dan will govern his people like any other tribe in Israel. Dan will be a snake beside the road, a poisonous viper along the path that bites the horse's hooves so its rider is thrown off. I trust in you for salvation, O Lord. So that one troubled Jacob so much at the end, he just had to say that he trusted in the Lord for salvation. Again, if I'm Dan, I'm like... (laughs) Feeling very uncomfortable. It doesn't look like it's a very good uh, blessing, right? Well, let's take a look and see what happened. Now, now the Bible doesn't say much about Dan's character, but if, if the tribe of Dan is in any way related to Dan's character, it's not very good. Okay, you can see Dan's down here, that little spot. Now, not a whole lot of land there, and even less when you consider they failed more than most tribes to take the land Um, that they were supposed to, where God had told them to come in and and conquer the people that were there, and to they they didn't do it. So there were big parts of Dan that they were never able to settle in. So they had sort of a problem that they needed to solve. They needed some more land. And what were they going to do? Well, look to the top there, right there, okay, and... There's a city, you can't read it from there, it says Dan. Okay, well, how do you go from there to there? Well, I'll tell you. In Judges 18, uh, there were some uh, members of the tribe of Dan that had gone through this area and noticed that um, the people there, they weren't, They were just in a city called Laish, and there weren't a lot of people around it. And they had this idea that they could just go and take the city. So they did. They went in, they slaughtered the population, burned the city to the ground, and rebuilt it. In this same chapter, 
the tribe of Dan also had happened upon somebody's house where they had a lot of foreign gods in the house. They took them by force and they decided to establish their own religion. So back, this is back in the book of Judges. And I know Vinny will be going through this, so I don't want to take too much away from that. Um, but in a time when people were doing whatever they wanted to do, uh, they did worse than most. Okay, And that's how they got that city. Later on, when King Jeroboam wanted to set up uh, sort of a parallel religion to the true religion, uh, when he became king in Israel, when the... Uh, nation had split into two, into Israel and Judah. He put one of the calves up in that city of Dan. And I don't think the people in Dan objected at all to it because they could just add it to the group. In the book of Revelation, there's a list of tribes. Dan is notable for not being in it. So... Um, even more than Simeon, Dan failed to um, distinguish themselves among the tribes. Okay. Well, moving on. Gad will be attacked by marauding bands, but he will attack them when they retreat. Asher will dine on rich foods and produce food fit for kings. And Naphtali is a doe set free that bears beautiful fawns. And again, we'll go to our map. There's Asher up there and Naphtali. So Asher um, had some arable land, and Naphtali over here uh, is actually has a lot of mountains, so um, they were harder to invade, and so they were freer than a lot of places, in particular Gad. Gad was one of those places that could be in, uh, raided from uh, the east. But Gad at least uh, could defend themselves successfully. That was foretold to them as well. It wasn't just that they were going to be attacked, but they'd, they'd fight him off. Joseph is the foal of a wild donkey. The foal of a wild donkey at a spring. One of the wild donkeys on the ridge. Archers attacked him savagely. They shot at him and harassed him. But his bow remained taut, and his arms were strengthened by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob, by the shepherd the rock of Israel. And you can see that even if you said, with, well, with Manasseh, maybe there's a lot of desert. If you add that and Ephraim together, that's a big chunk of land there that they have. And it turned out that sometimes when um, prophets spoke of Israel, they would say Ephraim. And over and over again, um, Ephraim, and then to a lesser extent Manasseh, were at the forefront of the tribes of Israel. And this is still speaking, Jacob's still speaking about Joseph here. May the God of your father help you. May the Almighty bless you with the blessings of the heaven above and the blessings of the watery depths below and the blessings of the breasts and the womb. May my fatherly blessings on you surpass the blessings of my ancestors reaching to the heights of the eternal hills. May these blessings rest on the head of Joseph who is a prince among his brothers. So yes, Jacob wanted to bless Joseph. And why not? Joseph, Joseph had, done, had saved his family. Joseph had obeyed God. Joseph had 
understood that some of the things that happened in his life that were bad, that God meant them for good, and he only did good to his brothers and to his, his father. And if, you were, if this was going to be a movie, he would be the golden boy and the chosen one. And certainly his father blessed him and gave him a double portion. And certainly he's a prince among his brothers, but not the prince. That's Judah. And if I was a Hollywood producer, I would ask the scriptwriter to make a change and to, so that Joseph got everything, because that's the way Hollywood would do the script. The one who was the golden, Joseph would be the golden boy and the chosen one, but that's not God's plan. Moving along, Benjamin is a ravenous wolf, devouring his enemies in the morning and dividing his plunder in the evening. Benjamin did not have a lot of land, and it was right next to Judah. Benjamin actually stayed with Judah in the country of Judah when Israel split. It's notable for having powerful warriors. Benjamin may not have been a big tribe, but they punched above their weight. Okay, As far as uh, in the military, they, they, their people did really, really well, and they were feared. The first king of Israel was King Saul. Saul was of the tribe of Benjamin. Moving along, these are the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is what their father said as he told his sons goodbye. He blessed each one with an appropriate message. Then Jacob instructed them, Soon I will die and join my ancestors. Bury me with my father and grandfather in the cave of Ephron the Hittite. This is the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre and Canaan that Abraham bought from Ephron the Hittite as a permanent burial site. There, Abraham and his wife Sarah are buried. There, Isaac and his wife Rebekah are buried. And there, I buried Leah. It is the plot of land and the cave that my grandfather Abraham bought from the Hittites. And you might wonder where Rachel is, but Rachel had died at or near Bethlehem um, they were traveling at that point, and, and she was buried there. That's why she's not buried here. When Jacob had finished this charge to his sons, he drew his feet into the bed and breathed his last and joined his ancestors in death. So not a Hollywood ending, okay? Maybe some parts of it. Blessings for Joseph. His sons Ephraim and Manasseh founded tribes of their own. They're the only ones who are um, the children of the, 12, um, the original 12 that had their own tribes. And both would be successful, very successful. But what was surprising was Judah. The leadership that Judah would have. I mean, he'd, he'd had it anyway. I mean, second to Joseph, I suppose, but... Among the rest of the brothers, he, he had turned out to be the de facto leader. But Jacob said of him, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. And we know that as the Messiah. We know that as Jesus. 
So why did it happen this way and not some other way? Well, you know, God doesn't always say. He doesn't always give us the explanations that we want. In heaven, maybe we'll know. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised if we did know. But here, he doesn't explain everything. What he does say is, um, for example, through Isaiah, in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And I believe that, I understand it. I still wish I understood better why things happened the way they happened. Um, but the next time I get a chance to speak, I'm going to, we're going to take a look at the story one more time. We're going to look at it from a different perspective and see if there's anything else we can gain from the story. I think that there is, and, but we'll do that um, when I speak next. Um, please join me in prayer. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.